Welcome to the Arbitration Conversation with Amy Schmitz. Hello, and welcome to the Arbitration Conversation. So this is the first Arbitration Conversation of 2023. So we're really excited to kick it off with fresh and new content for 2023, um, and especially excited to have Michelle Skipper as our guest. She is a vice president at the American Arbitration Association, specifically the vice president for the commercial division of the American Arbitration Association in Charlotte, North Carolina. She received her undergraduate degree in finance from the University of Texas, San Antonio, and her MBA from the McCall School of Business at Queens University in Charlotte, North Carolina. At the AAA, Michelle is responsible for overseeing the case management of large, complex cases in arbitrations in North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana, and where I am located in Ohio, as well as West Virginia. Virginia. She also identifies and recruits arbitrators and mediators to join the AAA roster, and she is especially an expert in the AAA's healthcare arbitration cases. Um, she's a frequent speaker on ADR topics. She's been a guest in my own arbitration class at The Ohio State University. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Amy. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. Uh, one of the things that I also want to mention is I also have the, the pleasure of wearing the National Healthcare hat. Um, so on behalf of the association, uh, for any uh, commercial uh, healthcare and or life sciences initiative, uh, I wear the hat uh, for the association uh, as well. Wow, yeah, and I see that you're also the chair of the AAA Healthcare Dispute Resolution Advisory Council. Yes, 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 and that is something that's uh, kind of interesting. So I've been with the association for about 15 years, um, and my background, uh, I uh, took the non-lawyer uh, traditional approach to, to getting to AAA, and um, I spent... Uh, over 20 years in healthcare administration. So I worked on the, uh, I was on the hospital side, physician provider side. And so uh, worked with a big um, uh, network of physicians uh, for over 20 years and then decided I wanted to try to leverage that expertise and uh, learned about dispute resolution and thought this was a great match to leverage that expertise and to help this industry having come from it. Um, so um, it, it's been uh, fascinating to, to watch this industry. So when I first uh, began, I uh, created an advisory council. So this advisory council works with AAA to help us better understand the healthcare industry needs from an ADR perspective. And uh, so we've had this advisory council since uh, 2009, and uh, we've been going strong. And we've had a lot of very positive initiatives as a result uh, of this advisory council. And so some examples might be, we um, established a national healthcare panel uh, back in 2009, where we have very specific uh, criteria and qualifications so that arbitrators in this space can really demonstrate their expertise. Because uh, what we find is 
Um, healthcare is a very different uh, animal when it comes to dispute resolution. Uh, the majority of dispute, the disputes in this space are between payers and providers. And um, it's important that um, in these type cases that the arbitrators certainly have the um, subject matter expertise. And having been in that space uh, prior to my role at AAA, there are a lot of acronyms in healthcare. As I say, there's a lot of ABC, uh, ABCs uh, with acronyms in the healthcare space. And so this uh, advisory council created the criteria and qualifications. So these are individuals that have expertise in this space and uh, they spend 30% um, or more of their time engaged in healthcare matters. So these are not uh, health lawyers that have handled uh, one healthcare case and they call themselves an expert. It's much deeper than that. Could you give some examples? I'm trying to sort of, what are some for the listeners who might not really know a lot about healthcare arbitration? You talked about payment um, providers and patients, or, or could you explain maybe some of the example cases that you might run into? Sure. So the majority of the cases that we see that come to uh, arbitration are reimbursement disputes, where a hospital or a provider of any service um, they contract with a health plan uh, that they will provide XYZ services and they agree that uh, they will be paid a certain amount for those services. And frequently in these uh, arenas, there are disputes that arise over that payment. Maybe the correct payment wasn't made. And when you get an aggregate of these claims, uh, they can be substantial. So, uh, about 70 to 80% of the arbitrations handled at AAA are between payers and providers. And this is a significant number and it was important. So this same advisory group um, understood the need for a different approach, a more tailored approach for resolving these disputes. So, right. as, so as a result, this group um, advised uh, AAA that there was a need to create a separate set of arbitration rules that were specific for resolving this type of dispute. That's and so important. I mean, I think context really matters and sort of a problem solving perspective. Could you give some examples of sort of the differences? Is What are some of the kind of different rules under the healthcare, which may be very different from, for example, other commercial cases? Correct. So the healthcare care provider rules, uh, we uh, use a lot of, of the same commercial rules, but some of the significant differences are unlike uh, the AAA commercial rules where the administrative track, how the procedures are going to be handled, um, they are dictated based on a dollar threshold. Whereas with these payer provider uh, rules, the parties select the uh, administrative track slash procedures. So it's not based on a dollar amount. So here, when parties come to get these type of disputes resolved, they determine the administrative track. And that's important uh, because you may have a very small issue, but the monetary claim might be in the millions. 
but it's a very small issue that the uh, parties are willing to um, to resolve it as a desk arbitration, whereas other complex ones they want to resolve it with a large comp with a large complex track. Um, so when the parties file these types of arbitrations under these under the pet healthcare payer provider rules, they dictate the administrative track. And uh, if for some reason it's not dictated, the default is the regular track. And the reason that's important is the tracks dictate um, the discovery. So although in the commercial and the AAA commercial rules, you will never see the word discovery in the rules. Well, here for the healthcare payer provider rules, there's actually a rule that is labeled discovery. And this was important uh, from our advisory council's perspective because they wanted to ensure that they had a starting point. And so depending on the administrative track selected under the healthcare payer provider rules, it dictates the discovery. So under the death telephonic track, there is no discovery. Under the regular track, each party gets at least one deposition. And then under the large complex track, each party gets two. And of course, very similar to the AAA commercial rules, the parties can also um, petition for more discovery for good cause. And they would just petition the arbitrator. Right. One of the other significant differences is all of uh, the healthcare payer provider cases are heard by a single arbitrator. So it doesn't matter the monetary claim. So the default is a single arbitrator unless the parties agree otherwise. So those are some of the significant differences in the rule set. Yeah, I would think privacy and confidentiality is also really important when you're dealing with um, healthcare cases. Yeah, and they're embedded in the rules. They're embedded both in the commercial arbitration rules and in the healthcare arbitration rules. So there is confidentiality and privacy uh, embedded in both sets of arbitration rules. Um, I, I think one of the other, and we just recently revised both the AAA commercial arbitration rules and the healthcare payer provider rules. Right. And one of the significant changes was embedding the use of technology because you know, Amy, as, um, as we all experienced with this pandemic, there was a greater use of technology. And so we had to update the rules um, to uh, reflect the use or more use of technology in arbitration. And do you think that people, I agree 100%, I mean, for the efficiency of it, it makes sense, it lowers the cost of the arbitration. Um, I tend to be a big fan of, as I call it, OARB, online arbitration. Um, do you, I mean, during the pandemic, I think we all saw, obviously, for health reasons, um, everyone did move online. Are people's, are arbitrations still continuing to proceed online, or are you seeing um, kind of a move back to in-person or a mix thereof? You know, in the healthcare space, um, you know, we've addressed this with our advisory council. And, um, and I think most parties, uh, unfortunately, it took a pandemic to force us to use the technology that's always been available. Right. Um, and I, I think that um, 
moving forward. This is always um, virtual, online. Those are always going to be excellent options, but they're not going to be required. So I think um, the flexibility and what I am seeing is uh, more hybrid where right. the arbitrators and the council for an arbitration want to be in a room together and they might have their witnesses um, participate via um, remote, via virtual, via phone. Seeing more of that um, because in the healthcare space, one of the things that uh, we keep hearing is they like the option, they like the flexibility of having virtual options and online options, but they also just want to be in person if, it, if it's possible um, because they want to be with the arbitrators. Um, that's the feedback we are getting. That's interesting. I also wonder, um, kind of having arbitrated myself and having been an attorney representing parties, you know, those hallway conversations that sometimes lead to settlements are another reason why sometimes it's good to get everybody in the room, but yet the flexibility of that technology, especially to bring in witnesses, absolutely can help with the expediency and the cost of arbitration. Absolutely. And it also provides that flexibility in the event that even counsel has a conflict and they can easily connect for, uh, virtually. And I think one of the other um, benefits is the when you're selecting arbitrators, it's opened up a wider range of opportunities to select arbitrators anywhere, um, especially if you're going to use some type of virtual platform. So I think that's been very positive as well. Right. And also, of course, we have to think about cybersecurity um, when we're dealing with um, technology. Have you seen um, parties and counsel and um, arbitrators take that seriously? Absolutely. Uh, one of the things a few years back that AAA introduced is we have the cybersecurity checklist. So anytime a new uh, arbitration is filed with AAA, we send out these checklists reminding parties, reminding counsel, and reminding arbitrators that this is a critical component of the arbitration is to ensure that secure platforms are being utilized. And in the event parties are not sure, uh, AAA offers a free web file platform, which is secured, that allows the parties to file any documents pertaining to the case through this web file portal. And this is important because it's not any different than uh, something that's similar to a court docket. Uh, ours is called the AAA, uh, docket is called the web file. And so every document can certainly be filed uh, with this portal. Uh, but there are some uh, clients that uh, can confirm that their systems are secured and um, they're happy to send information via email because they have sophisticated law firms that have very comprehensive um, security systems in place. So there's still some use of email. So yeah. those, you know, that's, that's I think, critical to your point uh, with any of these arbitrations. And what do you see for trends? Are there any sort of forecasted being the first podcast of 2023 for the arbitration conversation. Do you have any thoughts about what you see as sort of a growth area or um, any predictions for 2023 and arbitration? 
Yeah, I, I would say one of the areas that will continue to grow, it was interesting during the pandemic, um, there was a lot of stoppage, except um, when it came to arbitrations, uh, unlike the courts, uh, arbitrations continued, they've just continued in a different format. Um, and I would say probably last year that there were some industries that slowed down, but I would tell you in healthcare, uh, specifically, uh, the filings continued and they continued to grow. But I think where we're going to see an even more significant increase is going to be in the life sciences areas because there have been so many significant supply chain issues um, in light of the pandemic that I, uh, we see that that will be significant growth opportunities. So it kind of in that pharmaceutical, biotech, medical device area. Um, right. That makes sense. Some significant growth in, the, in that space. Well, I thank you so much. I know you've got a busy day ahead and I thank you for taking the time on the arbitration conversation. It's been really informative and helpful to learn about healthcare arbitration. So thank you, Michelle. Well, thank you, Amy. It was a pleasure. And um, thank you again for this opportunity. This podcast was brought to you by Arbitrate.com. For more information about Arbitrate.com's programs and content, please visit our website at www.arbitrate.com.